WTF, we're doing a podcast. I'm Nikki. And I'm Michelle. This is 50. Welcome to What the 50. Join us on our continued journey to simplify our lives. We will seek the answers from the experts and offer tips, tools, and techniques to live your life with confidence and joy. Are we ready? Let's go. Hi, Michelle. Here we are in October. Yes, here we are. And this time in October, we're going to talk all about um, Breast Cancer Month, right? This is something that was passionate that Michelle really, really wanted to speak about. So we're going to cover it all in October. Yes, every episode this month, we're going to speak about breast cancer. And it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And we do believe, Nikki and I, we do believe it's important for for others to understand the importance of screening. For sure. Breast cancer screening is very, very important. And I believe that anybody that's listening to our, our, our podcast can see they know somebody, at least one person who has been affected by cancer in some way or other. The good thing about breast cancer, though, is that screening is available. Right here in Jamaica, the Jamaica Cancer Society and many other facilities that offer the mammogram. But unfortunately, I think sometimes we believe that it's it's not if you're not a particular age, you don't have to think about it. You don't have I mean, there is an age for mammograms. Yes. But there's also the self-examination that as women we need to do. And of course, we all know that men can get breast cancer too, right? So it's all about awareness. And I think the conversations are very, very important for us to become comfortable with it and to know the importance of taking care of our bodies and being aware of our bodies. So when something different happens, we know and we deal with it right away. Sometimes it's not anything, you know, detrimental, but we never know. So once we find something that is out of the ordinary, we just have to act on it. Right. And I think it's important that we try and not make it scary. I know once people hear the word cancer, everyone gets crazy and, you know, it's, it's scary to hear it. It I I often tell people that sometimes we have to think of cancer now as a chronic illness, such as diabetes or um, high blood pressure, you know, as we have to take care of it, monitor it and, um, keep going. Unfortunately, I know that it's not like that for every cancer, but um, unfortunately, yeah, right. we can. Well, cancer Awareness Month, so we're going to focus on that. And, um, and another good reason why we, we need to be talking about it, because breast cancer is the leading cause of cancer and cancer related deaths in Jamaican women. Wow. Research has has shown that um, I recently read a study that was done between 2011 and 20, 2011 and 2016, and that was the, the evidence, you know. So if there's something we can do about it through conversation to encourage others to just be aware and get the mammogram done, do the self-examination each month, you know, I think it will be a good thing. For sure. Yeah. And the thing is, too, is that we're going to, speak to four different people this yes. this month. Now today we're going to speak to a doctor. So we're going to get the heavy stuff done first. Right, the clinical but, side of it. Right. But the other three we're going to talk about more, you know, surviving cancer, other things of life after cancer. Right. Right. Looking at just how we how we um about our lifestyle. 
from right. day to day. For sure. Things that we can do. So let's get rid of the heavy stuff first. Although yes. poor Dr. Okay. Reed. <laughs> Should we tell them about out, Dr. Out, Reed? Out of the way very quickly. Yes, I we know. can get into speaking about Dr. Reed. So Dr. Vince Reed migrated to the USA after graduating from Wilmer's Boys School in Kingston. He obtained his medical degree at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine and completed his internship and residency at, wow, Maimonides Medical Center. Please forgive me if I pronounce that wrong, (laughs) which is in New York. There, he received numerous awards, including the Chief Resident of the Year. Dr. Reed has received specialized accredited fellowship training in head and neck surgery, oncology from the prestigious Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. While at Sloan Kettering, he conducted research and was a contributing author of the renowned clinical textbook, Complications of Head and Neck Surgery. In later years, Dr. Reed joined the Hall Perrine Cancer Center, where he is currently the medical director, and that's in Iowa. He also holds an appointment as Associate Professor of Surgery in the Division of Surgical Oncology and Endocrine Surgery at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics. His numerous leadership roles at Mercy Medical Center include Chairman of the Department of Surgery, Chairman of the Medical Director Medical Director Council and Chairman of the Physician Leadership Council. Dr. Reed's clinical practice in surgical oncology involves managing diseases such as melanoma, breast cancer, head and neck cancers, and colorectal cancer. With over 22 years in the medical field, Dr. Reed is committed to the health and wellness of individuals. And Nikki, I had to really condense his bio. It's very, very long. This is just a quarter of it. So I hope he doesn't have my neck for leaving out some of the awards and accolades he has received over the years. So welcome, Dr. Reed, to our podcast. It's such an honor to have you here with us. And I have to give a little history. I met Vince about 20 years ago in Canada. And he is a very, very good, close family friend of my baby sister, Gail, and her husband, Ron. And he was also very, very involved in her medical care when she was diagnosed with cholangiocarcinoma carcinoma 10 years ago. And he played the role of a physician as well as a very good friend. And he was a good friend to me too, because his shoulders are pretty broad. You can't see them, but they're broad. And I was able to to rest on those shoulders many times. Uh, There were many mornings, many middays, many mid-afternoons. I had to call him in a little bit of panic and ask him what to do, what's happening. And he was always there to answer. And Vince, I thank you for that. Um, You were there for us and you gave us all the advice that we needed. And you were extremely comforting at a very, very difficult time for us. So... We're very happy to have you as, as a friend, and I'm excited to have you on our, on our podcast. Well, so thank you. Thank you, for, thank you for such kind words. I, I look forward to at least being able to try to at least share some information with you guys and to have a kind of a, a banter that makes you know, uh, uh, people want to listen to. I, I've, I've watched some of your previous recordings with much interest. 
Um, so uh, I listened to some of your previous recordings with much interest, and I so I so I think this is a I think you guys have created something really exciting here, and and I look That's forward to, and you. I look forward to being a part of it. And thank you for the invitation. You're so welcome. Thanks well, for being here. Thank you for taking. I know you doctors are very very busy, so thank you for taking the time and um, being here with us. This was a topic that Michelle was very passionate about talking about. You know me, I hate doctors, but... Um, Married to one, Vince. Her husband <laughs> is a doctor. But I will... But it is an important... It is an important topic. So we need to get right to it and see what we can learn. And we're in um, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So... We have to focus on that. We want to focus on that right now. We want to have the conversation. A lot of us don't want to talk about it. And I think it's important that we do. We have to, we have to get comfortable with talking about our breasts and what we need to do and self-examination. And Dr. Reed, you can tell us a little bit more about what we should expect when we feel each month, when we feel our breasts, what are we looking for? Well, I think, as you have said, you know, this is the um, uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. In fact, here at, at Mercy in Cedar Rapids, we had our annual kind of breast cancer race or walk, whatever people chose to do yesterday, called it, especially for your race. And this is the annual uh, community-wide uh, fundraising event that we have in, in this community uh, to support our women who have been afflicted with, with breast cancer. Um, so I think it, it, first, probably framing the the... The importance of the issue is important. Breast cancer is, is the most common cancer in women, for example, in North America, and, and the second most common cause of cancer-related deaths, surpassed only by, by lung cancer. So it's a very, 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 very common cancer. Uh, uh, fortunately, uh, there, there's a good uh, screening mechanism, screening tool um, for breast cancer, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into later. Uh, but with regards to self-breast exam, that continues to be an important part of breast cancer surveillance. And so one of the most important uh, reasons to do self-breast exam is that you know your breast, uh, that the, the woman knows their breast. So a woman will be able to say, this wasn't there last month, this is new. And so anything that's new is, is worth pointing out. And I must say that self-breast exam is not a substitute for, your, for a clinical exam by, by your healthcare provider. It's, it's in addition. To, to what to your uh, annual exam or however frequently you, you you get a breast exam so it's an addition it's not to substitute for um, so the most important so there are some signs right there are some signs of uh, uh, some concerning signs so some of those concerning signs includes a nipple discharge and and some discharge is physiologic like a lot of women uh, uh, of childbearing age for example will have nipple discharge and all kind, a lot of women in general will have would have nipple discharge but uh, nipple discharge particularly when it becomes bloody discharge uh, uh, tends to be a little more concerning no breast cancer rarely presents as nipple discharge but when it does present as nipple discharge that discharge tends to be bloody so nipple discharge particularly blood nipple discharge any kind of skin changes um, any kind of just kind of skin changes Changes, particularly in African-American women that have a higher incidence of uh, 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 certain kinds of breast cancer, inflammatory breast cancer, that is um, that is that can uh, present itself with skin changes. So any kind of skin changes that's new ought to be to be examined and to be brought to the attention of your of, of your physician. Any new lumps, any new bumps, 
Um, those are the kind of things that, you, that you're looking for. So a woman will understand uh, the entire topography of their breasts. So they will know uh, this wasn't here, that wasn't there, this didn't look like this. Uh, you know, so any significant changes in size, uh, any any uh, significant pain, and and just to be clear, a lot of these symptoms that I that I mentioned can uh, be caused by benign breast diseases. But once you have these symptoms, uh, it warrants uh, further evaluation. So I think the most important. Uh, uh, reason to examine your breasts is that you know your breasts. You're going to see your breasts more frequently than anyone else, uh, and your spouse, of course. So, so you know your breasts. So, so you should uh, examine your breasts, uh, and uh, so that you can understand uh, when there are changes, uh, the kind of changes that we talked about, and you can pick up those changes early. So, so that's I think the most important reason why you examine your breasts in terms of how you do a self breast exam. I would say. You know, talk to your physician about a, a proper self-breast exam. Your physician can help you and, and can demonstrate how to do uh, a proper uh, self-breast exam uh, so that you're not missing things. But whatever it is, whatever that event that you associate a breast exam with, with whether it's, you know, once a week in the shower, whatever it is that you associate with a breast exam is, I think it's very, very important that you do it because you're going to be one, the first person likely to see something that wasn't there before, to see something that's new. You mentioned that it's a leading cause of um, death in the United States. Is that it's a leading cause of death in Jamaica too? Yeah, so not so, 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 like, so in North America, leading. second leading cause. Yes, right. Yeah, right. Um, so screening is 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 very very important. Um, what are the current recommended screening guidelines? So I mean that has varied, and, and so that's kind of interesting, you know. So it it really depends on what guidelines you look at. As uh, a couple of years ago now, I think it's been uh, where the United States Preventative Task Force guidelines uh, got a lot of attention for recommended uh, initiation of screening in the early fifties. Uh, I think a lot of us who takes care of a lot of breast cancer kind of pushed back on that. Um, uh, probably uh, twenty five to thirty percent of my uh, breast cancer patients who are currently under under treatment are under the age of forty five, wow. and so 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 I think it's so I think it's very important to take all of the recommendations, um, you know, under advisement. I, what I think it is the best thing to do in terms of recommendation is to talk to your physician because they will understand your risk, what makes sense for you. But I think if you if you look at the cumulative guidelines, uh, guidelines from the American Cancer Society, guidelines from from various radiology societies, if you look at the cumulative guidelines, most of us who take care of a lot of breast disease still believe that in the absence of an overriding uh, risks such as uh, uh, breast cancer, premenopausal breast cancer in your family, in the absence of those overriding risks, we still uh, believe that the best uh, method of surveillance is to initiate breast cancer screening at forty. Okay. I have also heard, Dr. Reed, that you should have a mammogram early on. So you have like a baseline um, to know if there are any changes. Is that still relevant or ever was relevant? Well, th that baseline mammogram is really would really be at 40. I, I think okay. if you have some risk factors, if you do have some risk factors, if you're a first degree family member with breast cancer, if you have um, any kind of, uh, you know, if you have had biopsies because there have been there have been uh, concerns and so you've had, had to have multiple biopsies. 
um, uh, in the family history of ovarian cancer, not just breast cancer, because breast, uh, you know, there's some genetic uh, phenomena uh, that clusters breast and ovarian cancer. So if you have any risk factors, yes, the, the recommendation would be to get a baseline mammogram five years before the recommended initiation of, uh, of our screening. Okay, great. So, so the, the mammogram was done and a, a lump has been found. What's the next step, Dr. Reed? So again, he, there is there there is going to be a particular description uh, to this to this lump, right? There's going to be, a, you know, is it suspicious? Is it highly suspicious? Uh, does it look benign? So there's going to be uh, all of those descriptions, and we use something in North America called a Byrads classification, uh, and you can have a a, a Byrads uh, one to a Byrads six, for example. But just to simplify it. Uh, individuals who are given a Barrett's four and Barrett's five, those individuals, uh, uh, a biopsy is mandated. But there are certainly some lumps, particularly in younger women, that 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 is seen and has very very typical benign features. And one of the more common benign lesions in, in younger women's breasts is something called a fibroadenoma, and that has very characteristic imaging findings. So again, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a combination of of, of the imaging. Then those uh, the report and the images will go back to your primary care uh, provider or your gynecologist. Because some women has a gynecologist as their only primary care provider during certain years of your life. So, but whoever it is that that manages your breast and whoever does your breast exam, that information will will go back to that individual. And then it's a it's a matter of sitting down with your provider and and for them to look at your risk, look at the imaging, and deciding how best to proceed. Uh, the simple ones are the ones that are that are Byrads four and five because those individuals are going to get biopsied. But maybe you have something that's like a Byrads three, some some earlier classification. Uh, and this thing, uh, although it has typical imaging, uh, benign imaging findings, has grown since your last image, or it's no more painful. Uh, so 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 that's where the real discussion comes in. Uh, do you biopsy those lesions, which would certainly be appropriate? Or do you have those lesions surgically removed? And you know, I I say this with 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 knowledge that that stereotactic our image guided biopsy is not as readily available in some places of the world as it is in the United States where I practice. Um, and so so all of those uh, kind of decisions have to be made in general for breast cancer for breast biopsies. We do what's called a core uh, needle biopsy, which is a larger gauge needle biopsy. So that not only can you get cells, but you can get tissue architecture. And that's the best way to kind of look at look at the breast. Um, so to, given the availability of core biopsy, that would be the way to go when you're uh, trying to diagnose breast cancer. Uh, but you know, there are some places in the world where a lot of women will disproportionately have excisional biopsy, meaning that lesion excised. Uh, based on the availability of, of image-guided biopsy or the lack thereof. I'm going to give you a, a description of what I went through. Um, I, did a, I, did a, uh, uh, I did the mammogram about two years ago, three years ago, and I, I just didn't really think much about it. It's a mammogram, it's routine. And then I was told I have to do further tests. And when further tests were done, they found... I realized that, you know, the doctor was going around and around and I thought, oh, oh, something is going on here. And I started to get a little nervous for the very first time. And then he told me that I actually had lesions, three in one breast and two in, an, in the other breast. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm about to die. <laughs> and I literally sat there and I'm, I, I had to fight the tears because, you know, Michelle doesn't cry. And I thought, okay, so what's next? 
and he said I had to do a fine needle biopsy and I was really very scared just the, the terminology is just this is just this is no longer a routine mammogram I did a fine needle biopsy and I've, I think about a year later I was told I had to do a core needle biopsy I was scared again it really wasn't as bad as I thought it would have been and thank god they were benign but I'm saying that to say I think a lot of us are just very very scared yeah. Just doing a mammogram in and of itself, you feel, because to be honest with you, when I did my mammogram the very first time, I had this image of these two rustic clamps are going to come and clamp on my breasts and squeeze them to patties. And of course, that did not happen, right? That did not happen. Um, it, was, it was better than I had expected. But I think these conversations are really, really important because it has to be done. And I think we have to become comfortable with the terminology, with the process that's involved. And if a lump is found or lumps are found, what's next? It doesn't have to be um, malignant and we pray that it's not. But if it is, you know, we just move on to the next, the next process. Right. But what is important is getting it, getting it started. And it's, it's not uncommon because I've had the same experiences, Michelle. The same yeah. mammogram, ultrasound, biopsies. Yeah. You know, so we just have to keep going. And But I tell you, once I heard ultrasound, I felt, I mean, my heart started to skip a beat because I realized they always were looking for something else. You know, why didn't I just do this simple mammogram that takes 10 minutes and leave? Why am I going to do an ultrasound? So it, it, I got really, really scared at that point. Um, but thankfully, I was, they, they were pretty good as guided well, I think. And I had no choice but to go through the process and, Thankfully, it was benign, but you know, it it was very scary. It really was. Yeah, yeah. You know, by the way, Michelle, crying can be therapeutic. You should probably try it. <laughs> no, Doctor Reed, I don't do the crying thing. No, no, no. You should no. probably try it. You have to and take this thing. Just deal with it. But, but you know, doctor, I swallowed. No, I swallowed a couple of times. But, but what doctor, you guys are describing is very typical for what women okay. women go through, and and it can sometimes be scary, and and. and and you know, imagine that there, that there's, you know, some people that don't have quite the support system that that right. that that you two may have, right? And so, for those individuals, it's it's even it's even scarier uh, because of all the unknowns. And that's what I that's that's why I think a, a discussion with your doctor is so important because uh, that individual can provide you with a framework for what's going to happen next. If this, then that. If that, then this. If this, then that. And 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 so you know all of the the the, the possibilities and all the, the the permutations of what could happen um, once you once you enter into into imaging because the purpose of breast screening is to prevent cancer, right? So so that if you see anything that's that's concerning or if you see anything that warrants further investigation, then further investigation is going to be recommended. And and and, uh, and and so, but while you wait and while you go through these additional tests, particularly when it requires a return visit to have another test and the time period between between those visits, these these are I can imagine are very very stressful periods uh, in in a woman's life right? because because of all the unknowns. And once you start introducing unknowns, particularly for busy people who have other things going on, and and now the last thing you want to do is to be is to stop. And worry about this thing because you have these other things uh, to do, but it's 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 really 
you know a part of uh, of self preservation and 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 kind of and kind of maintenance and 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 surveillance i mean uh, you know we're talking about one disease that can afflict you right uh but but you know for you, you know if if a woman is 50 and and having some concern in breast imaging you may also be coming up on your first colonoscopy um, there, there may have been a, a concern with your most recent pap smear. So, so, so we're, you know, so we're focusing your one disease, but in the totality of your life experience, this could just be one of the many things and one of the many concerning things that that's going on that makes it even more difficult, uh, even more difficult to deal with. So I think, you know, uh, you know, discussing it, understanding it and having forums like this, where, where women, uh, can get information because the fact is. The vast majority, the vast majority of, of, of biopsies that are that are that are benign, uh, you know. But but it gets to the point where where when you you have a curable disease, you have a disease where uh, the vast majority of women will be cured of this disease, particularly if this disease is caught at an early stage, stage one, uh, stage two breast cancer, you know. I, I often tell women that when the good Lord calls them home, it's going to be from something other than their stage one or stage two breast cancer, because we can manage that disease with the intent of cure. So particularly when you have a disease that's curable, you want to catch the disease in its earliest stages, hence the importance of surveillance and being aggressive up front so that you're not dealing with missed disease, misdiagnosis, and now you're dealing with, with, with stage three, stage four disease, where, where the survival rate uh, is just not as good. So, so, so what you guys described—that's exactly it. In in our world, um, you know, most uh, we do very, very little, little fine needle biopsies. Again, there's availability of technology. Availability of technology is different depending on where in the world you are, and, and I understand that. Uh, but, but, but for the most part, we would go directly to a core needle biopsy if there's a suspicious lesion. And for some women that are, that because of the location of the lesion, uh, may not be appropriate for a core needle biopsy, such as if the lesion is too close to the chest wall, for example, you may not be able to get that uh, between uh, like a stereotactic plates uh, to biopsy that. So those women will have to have uh, excisional biopsies. And so we would localize those lesions and, and do an excisional biopsy. If the lesion is too close to your nipple, sometimes that, that, that can't be biopsied for comfort reasons. That can't be easily biopsied. And so, so there are scenarios where removing it or doing an excisional biopsy may be more, maybe the most appropriate answer. But the vast majority of women will have a, a stereotactic uh, guided needle biopsy. Uh, in, in, in North America today, we really do a mammogram without an ultrasound. I mean, so when you get a, a mammogram report, when I get a mammogram report, it is a combination of the uh, mammogram and and the ultrasound, they're, they're kind of both combined because there are certain things that 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 the mammogram will show that ultrasound can't show. There are certain things uh, such as lymph nodes, for example, uh, that the ultrasound will give much more detailed information than the mammogram will give. Because that breast evaluation in terms of imaging is an assessment of the breast and of the axilla. Doctor Reed. So I rarely, I never have a mammogram without an ultrasound, but if it's available to a woman, it's not available to every woman in Jamaica, but if it's available, should they request an ultrasound and a mammogram at the same time? Absolutely, because I think the information is additive uh, and, and, and for completeness of evaluation of just the, of the breast and the axillary the armpit, um, I think that, uh, combining those two studies is, is the best way to go. Okay. So if we can take anything away from this, we should do, um, definitely do screening starting at age 40. Should it be at 
every year or every couple of years? What's the guideline? Well, uh, the, the, most of us believe it's, it's, an, it's annual breast imaging. Okay. Um, annual breast imaging uh, starting at age 40 right now. Uh, and this is uh, despite the United States Preventative Task Force guidelines. I think, you know, one of the things, and not to get into the weeds about some of these guidelines, but, you know, when you look at a large data set and you're comparing a mammogram in 1972 to a mammogram in 2020, those are very different images. And I think okay. uh, therein lies the imitation of some of these mass data analysis is that you're sometimes complaining, comparing apples and, and, and oranges and not apples to apples because the technology is so different and the technology is so advanced. So I think th that kind of complicates the recommendations sometimes. Um, but yes, uh, I would say annual imaging starting at age 40, particularly for African-American women or, or, or women of color in general, right? So uh, because women of color tend to have, um, while they don't have, you know, so in general, uh, for example, if you compare women of color to your Caucasian counterparts, they, the, the disease incidence is slightly higher in the Caucasian counterpart, but the death rate, for example, in women of color, particularly women of African ancestry, the death rate is a lot is a lot higher, and that has to do with that's a combination of, of a number of factors: socioeconomic factors, biologic factors. It's, there's a number of factors. Uh, women of color presenting with with disease that, that that is a little biologically different. So there are a number of factors that 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 uh, that contribute to. So I, I think particularly um, for for women of color, having uh, a very strict uh, screening protocol and following that protocol is very very important. Okay. And the second thing is that we should try, when available to us, request an ultrasound as well. Yes. Um, one other question I'd like to ask is, are, is there anything that women can do to mitigate the occurrence of breast cancer? Is there anything that I can do any besides not smoking or... Um, I don't know. Can you tell me? Well, well, no. So, so, so. I mean, I, I mean, you, you have just listed the big one, right? You have listed this is the big one. Smoking uh, is related to almost every uh, uh, cancer that I treat, right? Uh, it's uh, the kind of mutational changes at, at, at the DNA baseline that takes place in smoking. Some of them is well understood. Some of them is not as well understood. So. So, so yes, so so smoking is, is a big one, right? Um, and I know that um, in certain uh, sections of the world, uh, uh, e-cigarettes are, 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 are becoming popular right now. We won't know the true impact uh, of that for years. Um, so the, the other thing is, is, as we know, what we eat um, uh, tends to be important as well. Uh, eat, eat, having a healthy lifestyle is important. Okay. Um, uh, Obesity contributes uh, uh, to to cancer in general and, and to breast cancer in particular. Um, so so maintaining uh, your you know caloric to activity level to uh, to keep uh, your weight within a certain range. And I'm not pushing any particular uh, uh, weight, but I mean what I'm what I'm saying is is a healthy lifestyle um, and and you know making those adjustments to prevent obesity. I think that's important. Um, you know so if you if you used to walk once a week, walk three times a week. I mean, okay. wh whatever whatever it is that you that you do that can that can uh, help facilitate that. So, and, and smoking in in some sections of the world is is, is still prominent. It's it, right. and, and it's still prominent. Um, and and so 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 those those I would say are the are you know the big ones. Not having a sedentary lifestyle, 
uh, you know, uh, eating right or eating um, in a more healthy fashion. Um, and again, you know, I say a lot of these things with the caveat that I know that 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 not everyone has certain things, uh, you know, at their fingertips, right? You know, a lot of times what happens in 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 in, in certain communities, people are overfed but undernourished, right? Right. So 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 you see so you see a lot of a lot of obesity. Um, and, and that certainly uh, contributes to cancer and, and in general and, and breast cancer in particular. Okay. Let me ask you a question. What about um, marijuana smoking? You know, I, I kind of put smoking in the category of, of smoking, right? Okay. So, 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 smoke, so, so, there, so there is the effect of smoke. There is the effect right. of the smoke, of, of the smoke uh, in, your, in your system. Then there are the particular effects of some carcinogens in cigarettes, right? Okay. So, so while the while there are differences, the the issue of smoking itself, uh, I would I would not support okay. uh, in regards to. And I don't know how much smoking is too much smoking. Some people say, well, I have a cigarette, just uh, I smoke when I'm social. Well, how social are you? I mean, so so you know, so it it really uh, it, you know so but so but I put that in the category when I say smoking. I, I would I would cover all kinds of uh, smoke that you inhale in, in, into your system, whether that's marijuana smoke or cigarette smokes. Admittedly, there are certain carcinogens that we better understand um, in in cigarettes than we do in, in marijuana. Remember, we've been studying cigarette uh, smoking and the effects of cigarette smoking for years. Correct. Uh, marijuana has become uh, more socially acceptable in society now, and and now we're delving into a better understanding of it, and we will understand more of it as time goes on and more scientific studies are done. In much the ways, in much the way that those studies were done, starting back in the seventies and, and maybe even in the late sixties, to understand the effect of uh, of cigarettes and cigarette smoking and and, and the system. Of course, and of course, to minimize alcoholic intake as well, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and and uh, th that has its own uh, impact. So, so yes, so minimizing alcohol intake, and we're not talking about a, here a glass of wine with dinner. Um, you know, we're talking about significant alcohol intake. Um, so, minimizing that as well is very, very important. Okay, well, thank you so much. That has been really informative, and um, my favorite comment from Dr. Reed was. A stage one or stage two, the Lord is not going to call you for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's still hope. And we know, you know, early detection is key. Of course. We have to do our self-examination. We have to get our mammogram done. Have constant conversation with our, our general practitioner. And, um, of course, that support system is also very important. Of course. Dr. Reed. Thank you so much for being a part of our podcast today. We know that it was uh, one of those days that you were in surgery. It was pretty busy for you, but we're happy that you took the time to, to chat with us. Yes, thank you so much. And hopefully we'll get to uh, meet you in person next time you're in Jamaica. Absolutely. I look forward to it. I would love to do that. I would yeah, love to do that. For sure. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of What the 50. Please show your love and encouragement by sharing, subscribing, and leaving a review wherever you're listening. And don't forget to like and follow us on Instagram. And please join our active Facebook group at what.the50.